Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, and welcome everyone back to our, our series with uh, Darlene Cunahan, and she is, uh, she is an educator, uh, she's a mathematician, and she's so many, so many things. She's an award winner, and it's always nice to talk to someone who does what they do very well and who has done it uh, throughout a lifetime. Very well. Darlene, how are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you. Last time uh, you and I spoke, we started getting into, uh, you know, a little bit of, of how difficult it was uh, uh, growing up and that you're way out of this. You're way out of, out of poverty. You're way out of, out of not having uh, uh, money. It uh, was education. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the American way and in uh, in so many different families and that was one of the things that you walked away from childhood with and uh and you know kudos because a tremendous amount of success there well thank you but we, we weren't exactly poor it was more like uh lower middle class i guess so at times we struggled financially but it, once my two older brothers moved out it wasn't as bad yeah you know, one of the you know one of the things I always say too is that we were lower middle class, but at times we were completely broke. But the the times uh, for for people that are very very poor, and I don't want to be certainly don't want to be insensitive to those, but the uh, folks that are very very poor uh, have assistance. You know, they have assistance from from government, and folks that are rich don't have to worry. You know, worry about it. it but it is the middle class, and it's the lower middle class who usually gets the brunt end. Of things, I know that <laughs> from my own experience. It's uh, it, it's certainly not easy growing up in that uh, in, in in that environment. But it's very it, in so many ways. It's uh, it, it's very encouraging. It's very inspirational to be there. I agree. Oh, let me ask you this: uh, Was there someone in in your life early on in your life, other than a family member, that had? Uh, had an impact on you, uh, maybe maybe a teacher, maybe uh, you know someone uh, outside of the family or just a, a family friend. Is, is anybody that comes to mind uh, who served as a mentor or served as uh, as an inspiration for you? Well, I had um, a teacher at elementary school. Her name is Mrs. Payne, that uh, influenced me a lot, and then. After elementary school, the school I went to was grades 7 through 12. And um, I was a little upset when I was there because when I was in seventh grade, you know, they wouldn't let me take Algebra 1, and I wanted to do that, and I thought I was ready. And, and then eighth grade came, and they still wouldn't let me do it because that was their policy. So I had to wait till I was in ninth grade. And what do you know? Starting that year, they start letting some eighth graders be in it. At, at, at any rate, one of the things that happened was like I—I uh, I was a tomboy growing up. In fact, I ran across the, a picture that I had. I don't, I don't know where it is anymore. Of, of me when I was about six years old with a, a little baseball glove in my hand. So my brothers had an influence on, 
for me for doing that. And when I was in element, upper elementary school, I started swimming on a swim team, and I did pretty well at that. And, and I even set a couple of records in AAU. But because I was in grades 7 to 12, after a, the first month or so, I was asked to go to a meeting with the two P, female PE teachers. And they told me that every year they select the, the people that they think are the most promising athletes and invite them to have their schedules changed so they can be in in the last PE class of the day. And the students in that class were would then be from grade 7 to 12, and all of the female teams would come from that class. But it also meant that we had to stay after school all but one day a week practicing. So the one PE teacher's name was Henrietta Snyder, and, um, and she coached most of the teams that I was on. And she was a very big influence for me in my life. I ended up giving up swimming so I could spend more time doing things with the PE class. And the nice thing, too, was that we made friends with upperclassmen. And, and that was nice, too, because, uh, as it turned out, one lived only a few blocks from my house. So we started walking to school together even though it was a long walk. And then when she was a senior, she drove, so I got a ride for me and for my two younger sisters, so that was nice. Yeah. At any rate, we, we were a very good team. She had us practice, 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 and we were undefeated. Wow. Every, every, every year. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that is, uh, you know, the the... the kids and the student athletes but certainly a lot of that credit has to go to the uh the coach that's for sure frank mckay here much more importantly darlene cunahan is our very special guest in part two in our series with darlene and uh, i you know the the extracurriculars sometimes go unnoticed but uh, the the uh, effects that the extracurricular activities have on on a person's lives and and you know you you mentioned your two younger siblings um you, you know i it's it's it, it's immeasurable what can happen and and you know the the little fringe benefits also has to do with the personality traits that one can pick up or the the life lessons that you can learn from that uh, particular teacher frank mckay here so much more importantly darlene cunahan is our very special guest. Darlene, uh, anything that stands out to you uh, that, that made this particular teacher special to you? Um, uh, you know, obviously, uh, she knew what she was doing as far as running a, a, a swim team, but was there any personality trait that stood out to you? Oh, yeah, she was a, a very giving kind of person, although she was also strict. For example, I knew how she drove to school, and if I wanted to... My sisters and I could walk about a block and a half down to the road that she went on, and she'd stop and pick us up and take us. Because it was a few miles to school, so it was a long walk. So, so it was really nice of her to do that. Um, when you have the same coach 
from grades 7 through 12, yeah, you develop a much better relationship than if you only have that person for one or two years, or if they're only coaching you for one or two different sports. But every once in a while, she would do something like, I remember once she got upset with somebody in the, uh, on the varsity basketball team. <laughs> Because and she wanted to talk to them, so she, when she pulled that person out, she put me in. <laughs> I wasn't in there very long, but you know, I scored a basket while I was in there, so it really made me feel good because I was only in eighth grade. But it was sort of like I don't know how to describe it really. It was a very special relationship. If I wanted to, I could go and talk to her about anything. Is she still with us, or has she passed? No, she's long gone. Yeah. Long gone. So, yeah. you, know, you know, I'm in my 70s, so you can just figure out. Yeah. Well, people are living longer now. I mean, I, I didn't realize you were in your 70s, but, um, you know, there are people living in a well past 100 now. It's a, it's, it's a whole different time period. So when you were talking, the time period you were talking about um, was before... Uh, so many things were uh, were found, uh, you know. Certainly, way before the internet. Uh, probably, uh, you know, when when you're talking about it, probably, you know, microwave ovens and uh, um, <laughs> and different things, uh, VCRs. They weren't uh, they weren't in existence. Actually, televisions were in existence, but not colored televisions. Because my grandmother, of all people, <laughs> you know, she, she was always a risk taker and would try new things. And she actually bought a black and white colored TV. We didn't have one, but she did. So sometimes we would go over to her apartment and, and see her to watch the show. But speaking of teachers, when I was in college at Hood, the head of the PE department was also a very influential for me. She and my coach there of the basketball and volleyball teams, but the PE department was almost like my second mother. And when I was uh, an upperclassman, she actually hired me to um, do some things in the PE department because by then I had a small scholarships Every year, it gave me a little more than the year before, after the first year. But all scholarship students, even for small scholarships at Hood, had to also work on campus. Of course, we got paid for it, but it wasn't a lot of money. So I worked for the PE department for uh, at least two years, as well as some other things. I, I worked for the Alumni Association when I was there. I was a table girl. Actually, that was the best paying job. Hood didn't, doesn't, I don't know about today, but Hood did not have a cafeteria. Dinner there and, and meals there were served like family style, where there were like tables of eight and table girls would serve them. So I, I did that too. Um, but Hazel Taylor, that's, that was the name of the head of the PE department. She was just like her, my mother. <laughs> just 
my second mother is more like it. She was absolutely wonderful, and she's no longer around either. But she obviously had a major influence in my life, and when I graduated, she gave me um, a very nice bow and fiberglass arrows. If you're just joining us, uh, if you're just joining us, Darlene Cunahan is the voice that you're hearing, and she's an educator. She's an award-winning mathematician and educator. Frank McKay here with Darlene Cunahan. Continue, please. You were talking about uh, Mrs. Taylor. Oh yeah, she was just wonderful, and she her her game was badminton. So sometimes we would play against each other. It's it's amazing how many different lives touch a single life and are responsible for the shaping of a child. And uh, you know you're you know you had, sound like your parents were uh, obviously very influential, like you know most of our parents are. Um, but uh, you know the the students uh, have uh, an extra bonus when they have good teachers and they have teachers that they could find. Uh, find common ground with. Uh, what was it that that attracted you to certain people in your life? Uh, do, is there a certain type of person, whether it was a mentor growing up, a uh, an influence, uh, or even friends for that matter? Was it a certain type of person that you were you were gravitating towards, or you, you just kind of went with the flow? Well, that's interesting. Um... Well, obviously, athletics were important to me, and most of my friends were athletes also. And my older brothers were athletes. Like they, they played on the high school football team and stuff like that. But my brother Gene was more influential than, than the oldest one. And in fact, Gene uh, was a math major <laughs> and worked in Montgomery County Public Schools, where I worked for my entire career. But I, I, I remained a teacher or math resource teacher or magnet teacher throughout the t- whole time until I was a, a consultant for them. But he, he did other things. He became a, an assistant principal. He worked at the Board of Education. He, uh, he retired. He became a governor's um, lobbyist. And then he became the lobbyist for the Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission and so on. But, you know, like sometimes when I was going to go to an interview, I'd talk to him and ask him some questions because he, he was older and had more experience. So that fortunately, every teaching position I ever applied for, I got the position. So... I, I guess if, what kind of people did I, I care most about, like friends, um, people, well, let me put it this way. I stood for excellence, courage, and respect. So those three things when I but were parents and other people that I admired and were my mentors. Perhaps the person might not be at the top of the scale for all three of those things, but for most of them. Like my coaches made us practice, practice, practice. So when I coached my team, that's what we did. They stayed after school. Some of the, 
Well, my regular math team normally stay after school to practice once a week. But for my special math teams that went to certain competitions, they also stayed the second day after school and for four hours or so on Saturdays. So, my in my classroom, oh, in high school, I mentioned, I had a teacher in high school besides my coach that was really significant for me. Her name was Madeline Ruschall, and she was a math teacher. And because I wasn't able to take algebra in lower junior high, when I was a senior, I took two math courses at the same time, different periods, of course. But after I started teaching, I sometimes would do or use techniques that I learned in her class. For example, throughout most of my career, almost every day in, a, in my classrooms, my students would take a, a very small quiz at the beginning of the period. One of the things that did was it, it made it more important for them to complete the homework because if they had done the homework, it was easier to do well on the quiz. And if they paid attention in class and if they didn't understand something, if they had the courage to ask a question, then they would do better too. And it's really interesting because I did that most of my career. And, and there was one time when I actually, after the kids were like studying the way they should and doing all the homework like they should and so on, they... I decided to just maybe not have to give a quiz every day because it was more work for me, too. And do you know that after a few weeks, the kids actually asked me to start doing it again? Yeah. It, it became, it, it, it became uh, you know, important for them, and they probably saw the effect that it was having, the positive effect. Uh, very right. interesting. Yeah, like I said, man, they're great. They weren't doing as well because some of them were, like, not studying the way they were before or not paying as close of attention or, you know, or not asking questions when they should. You know, it takes some courage for kids to ask questions in front of a class because they get worried about whether or not another student in the class is going to think they're not quite so great. And I told them the only, the only stupid question is the one you have and you don't ask. That's a great point. Uh, Darlene Cunahan, everyone, is our very special guest and uh, just wonderful. You can see why she's won so many awards over the years as an educator and uh, a mathematician. And, uh, and a lot of influences go into uh, creating a person and a career. Darlene Cunahan, once again, here with me, Frank McKay. Uh, Darlene, uh, do you notice a difference, or did you notice a difference between the students around you as you were growing up and the students that you eventually taught? Uh, was it a different, you know, so many people uh, comment on the different generations that are there. Did you notice a big difference between the, those who you taught as students and those you grew up with as, as peers and students? Well, generally speaking, I think... Um you know, over the years, where I went to school when I was growing up, in both elementary and grades 7 to 12, kids were not 
very disruptive or rude to other kids or to teachers, at least not to other students in front of the teachers. Now, there were some kids who, like, when I was growing up, that didn't do homework all the time like they should, and there were some who didn't do terribly well. But there's also a, there's also, also a big difference, in my opinion, of um, parents and what they sometimes thought and expected. But maybe my perception from when I was in let's say junior, senior high, it, it wasn't an accurate perception. Because I wasn't dealing with the, the parents of the kids. I only knew things about the parents because of what other students told me. But, uh, yeah, I think it's still changing. I, I, I think each generation gets a, becomes a little different. Um, you know, maybe more belligerence now than there than there was um, uh, looser and, and and you know again we're gonna have to see long term um, what that next generation produces you know and uh, the the millennials are, you know are, it's their turn and then the the group right after them we'll, we'll see what they uh, produce uh, certainly a lot of electronics and and the internet has a tremendous amount of influence now and and of course when I was growing up and and certainly when you were growing up I'm 54 you you said you're in your 70s, uh, but neither one of us grew up with the internet. So we're going to see what the internet, uh, how it affects. Um, You've you've got to imagine that it's going to have uh, a major effect on the students that are are privy to it or that are are privileged to have that as a learning tool. Uh, But maybe there'll be some shortcomings along the way. Do you have an opinion on, on how the internet uh, will hurt if, if in any way, um, the the students and the education. Well, there are a lot of good things about the internet, but there's some things that aren't so good. For example, some of the things regarding mathematics on the internet, when you go and you read them, they're not quite correct. And then a student gets somebody like me who says, "Well, whoa, 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 that's not exactly right." <laughs> causes mis you know, misconceptions. So you can't trust everything you read on the internet. Even, even when I was a first year teacher, let me tell you this short story. One day I had an appointment with a parent of one of my female students. He scheduled a conference with me, so I, you know, I went to see him for the conference. And what he told me was, hmm, you know, I came to see you because you're teaching kids some incorrect things. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> Tell me what it is. And he said, you taught them that zero to zero power is not zero. Well, I said, well, that's correct. There's no such thing as zero to the zero power. <laughs> you can't do that. And he said, well, I'm a CPA, and I'm telling you, I know differently, and it is zero. So I go through a little bit to show him why it is that way, so otherwise it'd be an exception to a bunch of other rules involving powers and exponents. 
and he was still insistent and I was wrong. So I said, okay, wait here two minutes, let me go get something. So I went and I grabbed like three or four books and took them down to, to see him again, showed him the things in the books. He said, well, those books are wrong too. <laughs> and I said, what? I told him, I said, well, I don't know what else to tell you, but I'm correct and I'm going to continue teaching that, what I said, because that's the, correct. I mean, I'm not going to teach something that's not not right. And if it was, I'd be happy to change it. But, you know, I don't know what else to say to you, so I guess we're finished. Thank you, goodbye. And I left. And he went to see my principal. And the principal let me know later that he went to see him. And, but he also told me what he told the guy. He said, I told him if you said that zero to zero was not a number, she's right. And you're mistaken. It is not zero. <laughs> you know? So that was, that was very nice. And I was a first-year teacher. So, yeah. I had all these wonderful, well, not all of them, but the majority of the administrators in the schools where I worked were wonderful role models. And I was very fortunate in the first school where I worked because the math resource teacher was also very wonderful, and she was one who strived for excellence. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to make sure I always knew something and I was when I was preparing my plans for what I was going to teach I tried to think of questions that students would ask so that I could think of more than one way to explain each thing in case somebody didn't understand something one way then I could do it another way but speaking of changes over the years when I was in high school, I know that there were some kids that tried copying and cheating. But also, I, I think that there were, maybe it depends on the kind of school you're in or something, but it seemed to me that there were more kids trying to get good grades without doing the work to get the good grades. A lot of more kids who did not develop good study habits to do well. They just wanted the grades. So, but my perception might not be correct. That was just what I noticed in terms of my own background. So I, I would do things to prevent, prevent cheating. You know, I could tell you stories like uh, at one point I went to this one school as a teacher and and I, I heard some information from other teachers in the department that there was a cheating problem in the school. So, you know, I told my students my first day that they were going to have their first quiz the very next day. I didn't wait around. I, I started teaching immediately and doing this daily quiz thing immediately. And, well, I was prepared for them. And I, and I saw all these kids cheating, and I acted stupid and let them cheat. And then, see, they did, what they didn't know was that the student in front of them, behind him, and on each side of him or her, they all had different quizzes, even though they looked the same. 
at a glance. I would change something in them, and I passed them out. I had them arranged ahead of time, so I just looked like, instead of giving them to students at the front of the row, I walked around the room and handed them out real quick. And it was really funny because the, the, the next day, the first thing that happens is a student raises his hand and says, Miss Cunningham, I think you made a mistake on my problem number, whatever it was, three, let's say. And I said, oh, really? I said, read the question to me. Okay. So we read his question. And I said, well, how in the world did you get that as an answer? Why do you think that's right? And he said, because this... There's a friend sitting next to him and has the same answer. And I said, okay. And I asked the friend, read your question, please. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, you changed the questions. I said, no. And he said, you can't do that. <laughs> I said, well, not only can I do it, but you can expect me to do it. <laughs> but, the, but the same thing would happen when I would call a parent. They would say, your child would never cheat. Never. And then I would read the two questions to them. <laughs> yeah. Every once in a while, then, I could, if I wasn't feeling well or had something taking up a whole lot of my time, occasionally I, they would all have the same one, but they didn't know it. <laughs> well, listen, some things will never change, and that's, that's one. I think there's always going to be that. There will always be cheating in uh in in classrooms and people are going to have to figure out um how you know plagiarism you have uh, things like that but that's that's a subject for another day and and a whole other uh conversation but darlene i want to thank you very much for being here and i i know you're busy and i want to congratulate you again on all your awards and all the accolades uh, they're certainly uh earned thank you very much for being here darlene and thank you Darlene Cunahan, everyone, has been our very special guest. Uh, binge listen to everything that we've been doing here with Darlene and listen to her, her first interview. And this is part two in a series. Frank McKay signing off. Darlene Cunahan, educator and, uh, and mathematician and so many other things, uh, award-winning, uh, many awards along the way. And Darlene Cunahan is our very special guest once again. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on breaking it down.